Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C. and sitting right next to me in Oakland, California is the exuberant Steph Walton. Hey, Steph. <laughs> hey! Exuberant <laughs> is my middle name. We are excited today because uh, we're going to both talk to M, otherwise, as, uh, otherwise known as the feminist next door. She's back. And she's standing by, so we're going to do a little business, and then um, we're just going to dive right in. So the Start Me Up podcast is produced by me, and only me. Steph and I don't have a corporate media colossus backing us up with advertising or search engine tech stuff. It's just me and Steph and some awesome guests. So none of this would happen without you, and that's why we rely on your financial support to keep us on the air. When you get a chance, make sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com slash startmeup. Sign up for at least $1 a month, and you'll hardly miss it. You'll be supporting the show in the best way possible. But if you sign up for $5 a month, you get access to End Another Thing, where Steph and I, or, or whoever I'm talking to, get personal. We talk some shit about some shit. And sometimes we offer deep and coveted secrets of the universe that you can only get by supporting the show for $5 a month. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> patreon.com slash start me up to support the show and so right before we talk to M, I know that you and I are feeling kind of down it's been really tough and I know we're going to dig into some subjects that are also very tough so I'm just kind of saying that you know to start this off you know we're, we're having a hard time we're all having a hard time it's getting harder and harder and harder to maintain a positive outlook, but I think it's really important that we do that. Uh, uh, one zillion percent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to say, last night, and I want to get into this with M when she joins us, but you know, I was with uh, 50 women um, last night. One of, one of those women was the mayor of Oakland, oh, wow. Libby Schaff, and some of my emerge. Uh, sisters that I graduated the Emerge program with, and then a bunch of women who are thinking about running for office. And I got to tell you, I was anything but down last night. Yeah. I was inspired. I was on fire. I was uh, talk about exuberant. This was this this room was just filled like with visceral hope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and determination to to shift the paradigm, to eradicate racism, to promote equality and equity. Because what's happening, and, and we've talked about this before, it's like, you know, there's the middle class is going away. It's like it's haves and have nots. Mm -hmm. And it's people of color and people, um, you know, who are not, let's face it, white men with money, right. being pushed out further onto the margins. And I, my belief is there's plenty for everybody, right? So let's spread it around. What's the saying? When the tides rise, all ships rise, right? right. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, anyway. Well, hey, you know I, what? That just reminded me. Why don't you um, briefly just tell everybody... Um, and remind everybody what you're doing. You're running for city council. And I am. And you need some help. I'm running for city council. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm actively, I'm, I'm in the fundraising phase. It's like, we call it the love money. Like, if you love me, <laughs> yeah. right? If you love me, Auntie Dee Dee, and Auntie Dee Dee loves me. She came through. <laughs> but, Yay. but, 
Yeah. You know, you love me. You were right there. You were one of my first and I just, it, it means the world, but, but you know, raising money in those early stages is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, just to get the word out. Right. Cause I, I just made my, I just, uh, bought my first 500 window signs. I'm wow. going for some t-shirts. Yeah. So those, that stuff, that's how I get the word out. And then that, that love money sort of, um, it, 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 it fuels the the whole engine, right? And then the rest falls into place. But what I, you know, what I need is people to support me, to to spread the word that I'm running, to ask me um, into their homes, to share, you know, why I'm running my right. my one two three, as they say. But but I also want to hear from people what's important to them because we have an amazing community here in Oakland, and we I think we need to connect people to people Mm -hmm. in the community to make it better. And I think, you know, one of the things that I, if if I'm going to brag for a second, I'm a connector. Yeah. And, and I love, I love the people in my community. It's very diverse, uh, socioeconomically and ethnically, but we all share similar concerns, housing and homelessness, um, uh, education and public safety. You know, um, it's, these are things that, that we can all sort of get together on and, and work together to improve. And I want to go do that at city hall. And I want to be the voice of the people in my district. So um, how can, I'm how just, can they donate to you? Where do they Oh, go? you can, well, <laughs> uh, you can go to at Steph for Oakland on Twitter. And, and there's a link there to my act blue donation form, or you can go to Steph for Oakland.com S T E P H for Oakland F O R. Uh, dot com. And yeah, it's, it's great. If you live, if you live in Oakland, um, you can sign up to host a house party. You can sign up to, um, canvas when, when that time is right. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that we can do. Phone, you know, phone banking is huge, right? Um, and that can be done from anywhere. Right. And that's what we should all be doing. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit later, uh, when Amazon about the fact that Stacey Abrams has launched this new, um, I guess like campaign in order to, to get the vote out in, I think 20 different states. So I think that, you know, what you're talking about for your campaign personally is absolutely something we should all be doing for every, you know, for everyone in our states. So you can help Steph. Uh, you can donate money. You can make calls for her. If you live in the area, you can canvas and you can do all that. But everybody should be considering doing that in the state they live um, because this next election is so crucial. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going to say there was somebody that I talked to who I know very well. Um, unfortunately, does not really put that much uh credence into the Russian attack, even though it's come out right, you know, come out that uh, all 50 states were targeted, uh, all 50 (laughs) election, uh, I can't remember exactly the terminology, but it was all the, um, all the 50 states were targeted when it came to the 2016 election. And we have to overcome that. You know, that's to me, I think, I honestly believe that take out the Russian interference cyber attack, I think Americans are going to show up like crazy in 2020. But we have to overcome 
um, you know, all of the GOP, you know, whether it's gerrymandering or voter suppression or all that. So we have to overcome that. And then we also have to overcome whatever the hell they're doing um, with this foreign interference, which right now, I know, you know, Mueller said specifically that this is happening right now and it's going to happen throughout the 2020 election. But aside from Russia, we don't know what else is going on. Trump invited help from foreign adversaries on, you know, national television. Well, he knows how he won. Exactly. Won in air quotes, by the way. Exactly. And so we have to be we have to show up in numbers so big. That, yeah. we, that, that we can overcome all of it, not just Correct. GOP. I think yep. we could co- overcome GOP right now, but I don't know that we can overcome whatever Russia's got up its sleeve. So just, you know, I mean, it, it was extremely disappointing to me to talk to this individual who was kind of dismiss- dismissive of Russia. Um, and this person is a registered Democrat, so it's a little confusing to me, but... You know, and this person also knows that I lived in Russia and Soviet Russia, and I understand more than this. I won't say who it is, so I'm just going to keep saying this person. Um, how dangerous Vladimir Putin is. I mean, I under you know most people don't understand. They just don't get it. You know, I mean, I look at somebody like um, the the North Korea guy. Um, what's his name? Kim, I, I I hate him so much. Kim, whatever. Kim, ill whatever jong I, I don't know what his name is but obviously the guy is dangerous he's uh, yeah not, you think yeah he's not very bright he's one of these young you know he inherited his position and um and he's really scary but when you look at vladimir putin which okay like i never lived in uh north korea so i I can't speak <laughs> to that <Thank> god <laughs> i know i can't speak to that um i don't know mindset right but i can speak a little bit to vladimir putin's mindset because i lived in soviet russia in 1980 and 81 and i understood and i understand what it was like and it was it was living in a i lived in a prison you know i i had special privileges because i was an american and i got to shop in the in the stores that were for foreigners only but when you walk down the street there were i've said this before and i'm just going to keep saying it for anybody who's going to listen um there were like these booths that looked like phone booths where militiamen would stand and they would peer at you with their beady little fucking Russian eyes and they would, they would stare at you as if you were a criminal and you were always watched. They were everywhere. They were, you know, especially when you were a foreigner, they were tapping your apartment and listening to what you were saying. They would come in. I, I would set up little traps to see if somebody was in our apartment when we would leave and you know, I would take like hair and I would wrap it around um, a cupboard door or something and I would come home and the hair would be broken. So it was clear somebody was there. And, you know, there's no, nobody in America today who never lived in Soviet Russia really has a complete understanding of the demonic mindset of a Soviet, like, uh, like, like Vladimir Putin. He, he, and I hate to use the word demonic because I'm not religious, but he's so evil and he's so, uh, you know, when I say evil, I mean he'll have people killed for no reason. He likes to brag about it. He he's very calculating. He's he's so much more dangerous. I mean, he's a different kind of a danger than the North Korea guy because the North Korea guy has nuclear weapons, and we're all just waiting for him to you know get in a bad mood, and then then what? You know, the nuclear bomb goes. But Putin is different. 
Putin isn't the kind of person that's just going to push the nuclear button. He is, he is, has been working for decades to um, get white supremacy to rise and to get all the oligarchs together and own everything so the rest of us are just peasants. And people just don't get it. And so I just, I just want people to get it. Um, enough of my soapbox. Do you think it's time that we introduce the feminists next door? Absolutely. All right. Well, here we go. Welcome, Em. Welcome to Start Me Up Again. Hi, ladies. Oh, it's so good to talk to you. It's so good yeah! to talk to you with, like, Steph here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've wanted this for months. <laughs> All these busy, conflicting schedules. Um, you know what? I'm just going to jump right into it. And, and Steph and I had just talked a little bit uh, before you came on about the fact that times are tough and it keeps getting harder and harder and harder. And so one of the things that I want to talk to you about and just like spend some time on, because I think it's really important, is this whole Epstein thing. Um, You know, I've been writing about it. He's a white male child rapist who was able to buy and sell and rape young girls for decades because white men in power protected him. Unfortunately, so did his girlfriend, who I'm not sure if I'm going to say her name right, which is I think is Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, That's what I heard, Ghislaine. Yeah. Um, And, you know, one of the women who talked about when she was, you know, one of the the victims of his sex trafficking or whatever it was, he, you know, all the different things that he did. Um, And I don't know how to say her last name. It was Virginia Roberts, and then it's G-I-U-F-F-R-E. Does anybody know how to pronounce that? Jufri. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Giraffe. Anyway, um, she talked about being on that <clears throat> island with Ghislaine and and Jeffrey and how they were like a family. Uh, she was like 15 at the time. And they were like a family and they would watch Sex in the City and they would eat popcorn and they would go snorkeling. Except that Jeffrey just wanted blowjobs and sex from time to time with her. And oh. I know. And so I'm just like... There is something that's bothering me about, I mean, when, when Brett Kavanaugh was, when we were going through those hearings and the entire nation was triggered, um, obviously that was like, a, that was a situation where one woman came up and said, okay, he raped me and it was so triggering. But in this case scenario, we've got, we've got all these women who were just children and it, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what's going on with you guys, but I mean, like, Em, how are you feeling during this? It, it, it's making me feel, I don't want to say hopeless, but it's making me feel beaten down. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's easy to feel that way. <laughs> um, you know, anytime that we listen to these stories and you feel like you can't really get much worse than this, and then it does get worse, and obviously it can get worse than this even, yeah. um, you know, following that team story really for me um invoked a lot of the same feelings that the r kelly story invoked Mm -hmm. um because you know there's certainly another layer to the fact that the the women that he was abusing were children um teenage children um and so you know i actually kind of struggled with that a little bit because you know you can say well epstein epstein was a rapist and then people say well he was a child rapist and, and sometimes I would say to myself, well, I'm not sure, like, I need to qualify that he was, like, a worse rapist than, than other rapists. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there is obviously a unique element to victimizing somebody who is so young. And, 
then, you know, compounding that is this element of the assistant, right? So like the people surrounding yeah. him who were enabling this behavior. And you say to yourself, like, how could that ever happen? Like, you know, same thing with R. Kelly. And then the reality is, is that the same thing is true to varying degrees around every rapist. Um, and so at what point do we say this is a cultural problem and not just an individual problem? Yes, right? exactly. I mean, I think it is, I think it is a cultural problem and I think your Twitter feed is quite representative <laughs> of that, <laughs> you know, representative yeah. of that today. You guys love to prove the point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just this constant pressure on women, you know, to keep themselves safe from all the rapists out there. That's, you know, I mean, there's, there's men out there who are saying, you know, hey, ladies, you got to stick together. And it's true. Mm -hmm. You do have to stick together and you do have to protect yourself because each woman who goes out and, and wants to have a nice time or go grocery shopping or whatever the whatever the deal is, you don't know which guy is going to hurt you and which guy isn't. And it's not helping that men who don't understand how to talk about rape are continuing to push these false narratives as if, and I think you said it really well um, when you said something like, these guys still think men are jumping out of bushes to rape mm -hmm, women. Right. And that's yeah, not what's right. happening. You know, right. most of the time, I mean, in, in the case of Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein, he had Ghislaine going up to women. There was a, a, a new wo woman today who was, I think, at the time 14. Ghislaine went up to her and, uh, you know, said, hey, I have this idea. I want you to meet Jeffrey, blah, 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 blah. And she brought him back. So It's not like somebody jumped out of the bushes and raped this girl. This was a long process. And, and the thing that's really frightening about all of it, and this is really what I want to talk about, is the idea that this girl, this woman said back, at, you know, back then when she was 14 years old and it started out with massages and eventually, it, it, you know, she would wear underwear and she would massage him. And they all say the same thing. He liked nipple stimulation. And, and uh, she just described a really disgusting scenario. But eventually what wound up happening is he wanted her to take the underwear off. And then he aggressively raped her. And mm -hmm. she said that she didn't feel that it was rape. She wasn't thinking of it in those terms. Not that she didn't think it was rape, but she just uh, wasn't even thinking about it in those terms. She felt obligated because what he was doing was she would stop by initially when nothing would happen and then they would give her $300 and she would leave. And then she right. of course she wants to come back and she wants to get more money right. and she's told she's beautiful or she's promised a career or whatever it is. And then slowly it builds. So yep. you feel as the girl and as women feel obligated. Right. And, and, and they, and, and women, Jennifer arouse or arose. I'm not sure. Yeah, if I'm pronouncing that's it. who it is. That's what I'm talking about. Right. She, she had recently lost her father when she was approached and lured in. Um, her, her family was destitute and this was a way for her to help that situation. Um, and she felt obligated and she also felt for a while that, um, she put herself in that situation and she almost deserved what she was getting, which, you know, that's, that's common, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're, mm -hmm. women are made to feel, well, you put yourself in the situation to get raped. Right. So right. it's on you. How about don't rape? How's that? Right. That, I mean, you know, right. um, I, I think about myself as a young woman and putting myself into situations where I was at parties with 
you know, boys and, and girls or young men and young women and being grabbed or groped and feeling like, well, you know what? I probably shouldn't have been there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then taking back that power and, and later in life saying, get your hands off my tits. I didn't give you permission <laughs> for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Well, I, I, I can think of I, I can think of an instance in a, in a public place seeing Merle Saunders at the Sweetwater in Sausalito and some guy coming who I knew entering the venue, coming up from behind me and grabbing both of my breasts. And I went haywire. But that was after I had to I had to take back that power because we grow up, I think, and, and I'm you know, I'm in my fifties, my mid fifties, and you know, there were the, the conversation that I had so many times as a young woman in, in high school was your reputation. Yeah. You gotta protect your reputation. It's on you. It's not on the drunken high school boy who feels he has license to take over. You know, it was, it's, it's, it's our fault. Right. And so we have to, we had to people in my generation and, and maybe, you know, women, this, this Jennifer arose is only 32 years old now. So mm -hmm. she had that in her mind too, that it was her responsibility to not get raped. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I just want to throw up. I right. know. Well, I, mean, I, I think there's, there's so many different dynamics that contribute to that and that enable this same mentality that Kimberly's talking about, which is, mm -hmm. you know, not only is it your responsibility to not be raped, right? It's also simultaneously your responsibility to be likable, right? right? So, yeah. mm. so what that means is that there's a constant balancing test that women are doing where you're saying, well, I don't want to be rude, mm -hmm. but I also don't want to be raped. <laughs> So, so, so like, where, where can I, how can I walk this tightrope? And then beyond that, there's, well, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to be perceived as, you know, having my own reputation tainted by, by standing up for this other girl. Mm -hmm. Right. So if this other girl is acting some kind of way that is allegedly inappropriate and I say, Hey, don't touch her. Is that going to get on me? Right. Like, am I am I also now putting my own self in a situation where I'm not likable, even if I'm not being raped? So <sighs> it's like there's this intense pressure on women to be, you know, imminently this, you know, incredible host of of all emotional labor. And that is up to and including sometimes facilitating these behaviors because we're so desperate to fall into this category of women that are not sluts, but like still wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it can manifest itself, you know, in the extreme, what we see in Jeffrey Epstein, but you know, in the everyday, it's women who call Taylor Swift a whore. <laughs> right. Right. Like, right. Why? Right. What, what do you have against Taylor Swift? Like, what are you doing? Well, what you're doing is you're saying things that you think men want you to say yeah. so that you can engage with them, quote unquote, on their level. Or, you know, I'm not like other girls or I call them cool girl coins. Um, you know, so so there's all these dynamics that are coming into play that sort of ripple outward from this fundamental idea that at the end of the day, it's your responsibility what happens to you 
but also your responsibility to manage everyone else around. Yeah. And then uh, unfortunately, um, and I, I keep writing about this and I hate writing about this, but it always goes back to white men rape women and children and then white men in power protect the rapists. And I, you know, one of the articles that I wrote just lists Man, white man, after white man, after white man, there was this one instance where some wealthy heir uh, raped a, a not even a toddler, a baby, like a, a nine-month-old baby or something like that. And the judge said that because he was wealthy, he wouldn't do well in jail. So, no <laughs> sentence. He raped a fucking baby, mm. and he got no sentence. And, and so what you're talking about, Em, is doubly infuriating because the justice system works so hard to protect the white men of course it's not all so mm -hmm. god just uh, not all but so many white men get up and if you look at what happened with jeffrey epstein it's still fucking happening because first you had alexander acosta who um got this plea deal for him so that he got to basically get off 13 months i think he had to serve mm -hmm. 13 months where most of the day he wasn't even in his jail cell cell and then um you know now he's got now there's bill barr and jeffrey epstein winds up dead which is not surprising. And then there's a million conspiracy theories. And then Bill Barr is, is we're supposed to trust what he says. We're supposed to trust whatever findings this inv investigation is going to come up with. And it's, it's just so upsetting because as a woman, you feel like I have no voice. I have absolutely no voice. I don't know if you ever saw um, the movie um, The Accused with uh, Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. That movie... A long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> a long time ago, when I was probably in my early 20s uh, when it came out. But it, it, it informed me that if I were raped, that I wouldn't belie be believed. You know, it was, it was the whole what you were wearing, how much you were drinking, it's all your fault. And mm -hmm. I'm so... I'm very frightened for what's happening here because unless we find some kind of justice with Jeffrey Epstein, I think it shows people that especially predators that they have a green light and i mean where do we go from here outside well, of I think following you and listening to your great advice <laughs> mm -hmm. and watching <laughs> you smack down men in, in real time yeah. um, I, I think that the, the unique character of the way that we think about rape as a crime is that in so many ways everything in our society centers men except for the times that they don't want to be centered and then they center us. Mm -hmm. So, mm. so that means when you start thinking about prosecuting a rape case, whether or not it's fair, every single prosecutor begins by saying, how impeachable is this victim? Mm -hmm. And if this victim is too impeachable, then a, you have to have a conversation where you say, hey, look, here's all these things that could come up. Is it worth it to you? Mm -hmm. Right. And then B, can I win? Like, even if it is worth it to them, can I win this case? Do I have enough? Can I prove the elements? Um, and it's not just about proving the elements like you would, for instance, with a robbery, because in a robbery, if somebody shows up and they, and they say, put your hands off, you can't be your wallet. That's it. Elements are proven. It's yeah. over. With a rape, if they come and they say, put your hands up, like, I'm going to fucking rape you, but you were wearing X, Y, Z, somehow that's now disprovative, mm -hmm. right, of, of the same exact element. So 
all of a sudden you have this situation where before you can even begin to prove the crime, you have to prove that this person is eligible to be a victim. Mm. And so, you, you know, that's, that's part of why, you know, this becomes so frustrating because again, you know, it goes back to, it's your responsibility to not be this person. You have to meet this criteria of what it means to be a perfect victim. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And oftentimes that's not the case. So, I mean, there's the only way that we can get past that is if we can finally get people to start saying like a rape is a rape is a rape. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's your wife. It doesn't matter if it's your girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend, if she's, you know, a sex worker, if she's, you know, your friend's wife, <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't matter um, who she is. If you have non-consensual sex with someone, that's a rape. Um, and I think we're so far away from that, especially when it comes to people known to the victim, which, as we know, is about 80 percent of sexual assault. So. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. A rape is a rape is a rape. And I mean, I've I've had conversations with, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry for not being able to name everybody. It's just people that I know in my personal life. So I'm not going to you know say anything to embarrass them. But um, certainly I had a conversation with an older gentleman who was under the impression that it was like. I can't remember how he said it, but in a conversation about rape, it was brought up that if they're already going, that it's basically he has the right to finish if the woman says no. And I stopped him and I was like, no, I said, it really doesn't matter what the circumstances are. If she says no, then that, you know, what, what's going on needs to stop because she mm -hmm. doesn't want to do it anymore. It doesn't really matter that you want your orgasm. And as soon I, I will say, at least to his credit, it was like the light bulb came on. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. was like, oh, you're right. And, and but there are many men, especially of a certain age, who are kind of under the impression that once things get going, that they're owed that orgasm. And that's not the case. And it's mm -hmm. just sad that people think that it's still OK to rape your wife. I mean, there's still there's GOP. Uh, legislators on Twitter right now saying that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, they'll just say it's not rape. Right, right exactly. Which is an implied contract of consent. It's just, She's my wife. She's my property. Exactly. I mean, they still think of it this way. You know what? I want to ask the two of you a question. Um, and this is about Melania. Because I've got, um, I look at Melania and I'm not sure what to think. I know the story. The story is that she's a gold digger who married Donald so that she could, you know, get modeling gigs and have a lot of money and wear nice clothes. Um, but, you know, I started doing some research on her past prior to meet, meeting Trump. And it's interesting because if you, if you visit her Wikipedia page, it says that she, you know, she had done some modeling in Europe and there, there were two modeling agencies named on on Wikipedia, one is no longer in you know working in service and business, and the uh -huh. other is Trump Modeling Agency, right. and and so she tells the story that she met Donald at a, at a nightclub, but Jeffrey Epstein bragged that he introduced the two of them, and so there are so many inconsistencies to her story, and I and I feel like um, I I can't speak to what their relationship is. But there's, you know, I know that there is, there's the idea that she has plagiarized, the, and, and this is all kind of like, all these things I'm going to list 
I have, I have a purpose. So basically, she plagiarized um, Michelle Obama, I believe, twice, blatantly. She wore that jacket uh, to go visit those caged children that said, I don't care, do you? She, her husband is the biggest bully in the world, and what does she do as first lady? A half-assed, be-best, anti-bullying campaign, where really she doesn't do much of anything. She's got the hashtag and a few a few words, and then we don't hear it, from her. I think there were Christmas. Well, she doesn't. She doesn't mean it. Oh. You, I'm sorry. What M? <laughs> but I think there were Christmas ornaments too, as I recall. Oh, great. Be best. Yeah, of course she doesn't mean it. She's and and, and so some could take a look at that. There are a few other things, but some could, could take a look at the way she behaves and say, oh, she's just this heartless, cold woman. But I, I years ago, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to get to my point in a minute, but it's like I, I think the reason why she does those things, I mean, we, we all saw the look she gave at the inaugural when Trump turned around and she smiled and then he turned back around and, and had it back to her and she put her face down as if she was going to vomit. And she slapped oh. his hand away. And I think, I think... I think that she hates him. I don't know what the circumstances were and how they met and why, why she married him. But I know that she was involved in Trump models. And mm -hmm. I don't trust that Trump models was on the up and up. I don't trust that there weren't any sex trafficking victims, you know, in that uh, establishment, in that business. I don't, you know, she was a little older when, when this all came in play. But... Um, I, I fear that maybe the story that we've been told and the idea that she's just this heartless gold digger is maybe not true. I think uh -huh. that she might be somebody who is a victim of being married to the mob. And, you know, the argument, um, this is my last thing I'm going to say, but there's, you know, a lot of people will argue, well, she, she was spreading the birther rumor. Well, when you're married to a mobster, which I consider Donald Trump, he hangs out with mobsters. He's, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, he's a mobster. Um, you just look at Sopranos and look at Adrian. Uh, Christopher's girlfriend got killed because she knew too much. Well, when you're married to a mobster, you follow directions or you lose something, whether it's your life or your child. So I'm just putting out the possibility that her birth, like, when had she ever talked about politics before? When had she ever talked about president or anything? It was once she was on, you know, programs talking about birtherism. Not one show, per se, but just one topic only. Mm. And I can almost hear Trump telling her, you go out there and you say this and you back me up. And yeah. she did it because she feared whether it was losing her son or her life or whatever it would be. She followed those, those uh rules of his in order and his to talking points and his, talking his bullshit points. talking points yeah. and um and the thing is is that the reason she does what she or, or maybe the reason she does what she does being cold like that is because she's been beaten down so far she literally has no she doesn't give a shit what people think of her she just doesn't care and i think that she does these things or maybe i don't want to say i think i think there's a theory that she could do these things to say fuck you to trump like, I don't care to you, that's going to get him in trouble. Plagiarizing Michelle Obama is going to make him look bad. Uh, uh -huh. You know, and being on the Be Best campaign and talking about bullies, well, he's the bully. So anyway, okay. there's what I have to say, and I'll start with you, Em. What do you think? Um, well, I agree. I think Melania Trump is sort of an enigma. Um, and the one thing that can be said for sure about her is that she is disaffected. Yeah. You know, why mm -hmm. she's disaffected 
Um, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Right. Um, but I think that she sort of seems like someone who like the world is moving around, <laughs> mm-hmm. but she's not really participating. Yeah. Um, at least in, in so far as, you know, the, the level of visibility that we have of her. Um, and you know, there's probably been a few times where I've seen, um, you know, I guess on camera moments of her, of her showing some warmth and they're almost always around her son. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I don't know exactly what her you know upbringing was like or her background, but it seems to me like, um, you know, she has her son. And so she was sort of like gifted this thing that she really, this thing, this, this boy that she really wanted. And she's sort of like, just doing all she can to not disrupt, you know, that thing that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether she's cold because she's a mean person or whether she's cold because like, if you're around that all the time, I mean, emotionally, if you are affected by it, it would be impossible. Like it would mm-hmm. be impossible for any one of the three of us to be married to Donald Trump, unless you just completely disconnected emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're just basically at that point, you've, you know, you're like, you've, uh, disassociated, you know, yeah. from, from your, yourself emotionally. So, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist. It certainly seems like, um, most of the time when Melania Trump speaks, uh, it doesn't seem like she's speaking from the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I, I would agree that, um, she's definitely, you know, been trained on, the things that she's supposed to talk about, what she's supposed to say. There's a lot of speculation. I know, for instance, that Trump like basically runs her Twitter account for her hmm. um, because the tweets, like the, the tweets sound conspicuously exactly like him. <laughs> um, <laughs> exclamation points and capitalization. Yeah. Um, so if, if for nothing else, she seems like voiceless, a voiceless person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, why that is, I don't know, but I think it makes sense for what kind of person Trump is because it's hard to imagine someone being with him and having a voice unless unless they were identical to him. But I'm not sure he would even be willing to share the spotlight with him. Right, so, right, exactly. Um, <sighs> what do you think, Steph? I do, I do oh, feel sorry. badly for her. I do. What, what do you think, Steph? What, what are your thoughts on her? Wait, Em, did you say you feel bad for her? I, I feel... Is that- is that what you just said? I, yeah. Yeah. I, I do feel badly for her in, in some ways. I, I waffle on this because I do think that of anyone in, in the country, she has the resources to go if she was like, you know, being, um, if she was being abused or, you know, she has the opportunity to, to leave that environment. But I suspect that as Kimberly noted, there's probably some significant degree of conditioning going on there. So I guess I, would, I, I just, I feel badly that, Maybe I just feel badly that we don't know, yeah. know what her story is. Yeah. What are your, yeah, what are your I, thoughts, Steph? I don't. I've never once felt badly for her, and and I don't think that makes me callous. Um, and and I don't even in light, even if she is sort of this trapped prisoner, um, well. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if we go back, like if, maybe there's a backstory that I don't know about. Like, what if she was trafficked, and what if she was, you know, presented to him and 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 taken truly as sort of a prisoner? I just, 
I don't know any of that stuff. All I know is um, she's in, she's complicit to a degree, uh, spouting birtherism, you know, as a person of color who has been um, marginalized, who has been told no because of my ethnicity, who has a child who uh, asked in absolute terror if our family was going to be deported because Trump was becoming, you know, it was becoming clear that he was going to be president. I can't, I, I just don't, I can't um, feel bad for this family. Um, right. I think his kids are, are complicit. I think they're pushing forward a white supremacist agenda. Um, I, I, I want them just gone before too much damage has been done. So I, I get sort of blinded by that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I mean, I, I would feel sorry for any human being who was, you know, um, taken prisoner and, and, uh, based on their ability to provide sex for a dominant being. I just like, if that's the case, well then I'll change, you know, come back to me another time and we'll have that conversation separately. But right now, um, yeah, my heart goes out to, to Baron. Yeah, that's for, absolutely. that's for sure. Um, cause he's an, he's an innocent victim in this regardless of, yeah. you know, what Melania's circumstances are. Right. Um, I, 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 I wince, um, and I recoil and I feel visceral, um, pain, you know, emo emotional pain when I see Melania Trump holding the baby yeah, of yeah. two dead parents in El Paso. Yeah. Because right. he's going to wake up one day, right. not wake up, he's going to have thoughts one day and he's going to know that story. He's going to know what happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the, the most vile person on, on the planet, um, Donald Trump standing there with the grill, the white grill of teeth and the thumbs up um, when his parents were murdered by a white supremacist who was perhaps um, invited to do to commit that crime by the president and he's not the president yeah. but by by this person um so i you know this is a hard one for me yeah you know all of that makes sense i have to be honest when i say i feel badly i mean you probably hear a little bit of hesitation in my voice the words feel weird coming out of my mouth <laughs> uh, because i'm a big um advocate of accountability as you well know mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and and i also think that you know women just like men, believe it or not, are perfectly capable of being accountable mm -hmm. for things. Um, I think, honestly, what it is is there's a part of me that it's, it's so hard for me to believe that someone could be in her position without some level of coercion, right? So maybe Correct. it's just my own inability to comprehend that. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm, I agree with you on that. I, I do, which is why it's a hard conversation to have. Well, you know, but right. I can't I mean, get, I, yeah. Th this is what the I. The answer is that she is actually just like down for this because the living's easy and like whatever. Then, then obviously, fuck that. Right. Obviously. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's hard to. It's literally hard to wrap my mind around waking up and being like, "You're so right, Donald." Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh well, my God. I mean, she, Do you even not, think they wake up and speak? She's not doing that now. I think you know. I mean, there's a rumor that went around. Uh, just after he was air quote elected 
And it was that, I, you know, I, I guess, first of all, there was that book, Fire and Fury. And I don't remember mm-hmm. the guy's name who wrote it, but he basically noted that she was, you know, fucking spazzing crying when he won. So there yeah. is the rumor, and I have no idea if this is true or not, but that, you know, he made her sign something that, you know, she had to stay married to him uh, for the duration of his presidency. And, of course, he would have hold held barren over her head and right. you know, some people have argued to me and they said you know well she's the mom she would she would get custody he was the fucking he'd be the president <sighs> of the united states and he'd scare the shit out of her and so i don't want anyone to think that i'm like a melania apologist i'm not making excuses for her i'm genuinely curious about all of this because there's something that isn't adding up and there are, you know there are unanswered questions and 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 this is what plagues me and this is my biggest fear I'm not saying Melania is some innocent. I'm not saying she's terrible. Honestly, I don't know what the deal is with her. As M said, there's some there got to be some kind of coercion going on. Maybe she's just somebody who wanted to make a lot of money and she wound up in or you know marry somebody with money and wound up with this terrible man and she's miserable. Maybe this started off as something awful and has just beaten her down into this pulp of a human being who just goes along with everything he says because she doesn't know what else to do. I really don't know. But the thing that concerns me is that we have we are living in such a patriarchal society that, you know, it's like MU brought up something about how women want to um, say whatever it is that's going to please men and blame women for rape mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's like it's so ingrained and and liberal women including myself um have been victims of patriarchy and that narrative and i you know i wake up to it and i'm like oh my god i didn't even realize that i was kind of like helping along the patriarchy with this mindset but mm-hmm. the fear is that what if what if what if we don't have the correct information on melania and she is somebody who is being i don't know abused whatever and we're all piling on her and calling her a whore and Mm -hmm. and and that like that's the ultimate you know uh win for the patriarchy that that and and so i'm not saying that we should uh we should feel any particular way i'm not making excuses for her i just you know it's like i'm a writer and so there's this idea, like this has given me an idea, like what if I wrote a book on, 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 on her, like a fictional book? There, there's this wonderful mm-hmm. book that was written about the wife of Elsid the Conqueror and what may have come of her life. And so it's like, what may be with Melania? I, I don't know that we'll ever know this answer, but I try to leave her alone um, and not go after her. I never go after her for her nude pictures because I'm not going to shame her for, for, for what she oh, did. Yeah, that's garbage. That, that's garbage. Yeah, but I mean, just the idea of, you know, when I saw her wear that jacket, it did piss me off. But then I thought about it and I thought, maybe this was a big fuck you to Donald. Mm-hmm. Because she, cl- it, I don't think that she doesn't care about children. She cares about Baron. But mm-hmm. I think, like you said, she's just disassociated. She's disaffected. And it's like, you know, I'm watching the, the uh, it's an older show, but it's Oz, the prison show. And there's mm-hmm. this one character who is raped and abused by this Nazi guy. And he, he gets put into solitary confinement and he fucking loses his shit. And then he just becomes crazy man who has no fucks left to give. And it's mm-hmm. like, I just wonder, like, has she been beaten down so far? I mean, anyway, so I'm just, I just want to kind of put it out there that I, I want to once again be clear. I'm not apologizing for her. I'm not making excuses. I don't know what her story is. But as a writer and as somebody who likes to um, fantasize about storylines, this idea has been like kind of plaguing me. And it's just, it's just been something that 
I've been curious about and wondering, you know. So there's that. <laughs> fair, all fair. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then there's the idea, and I kind of wonder what you guys think about this too. There was a Vanity Fair article that came out. It was talking about Ghislaine Maxwell, and um, here's part of the article. It said, um, okay, it says that the, the island, Jeffrey Epstein's island, was completely wired for video. And it was a friend who thought that she and Epstein were videotaping everyone on the island as an insurance policy as blackmail. So mm -hmm. there is, and then uh, and then there was a quote from a um, from a model who said that Donald was jo was a joke to all of the models. We all knew he was bankrupt and had no game. And so I'm kind of I'm kind of also curious about this theory that it doesn't matter that Donald Trump didn't have any money because there's the there's been the rumor that Jeffrey you know would like have these parties and then a young girl would approach one of the men and take him back to a room, and there was a camera in that room. And then the following mm -hmm. morning, Jeffrey would call up these guys and, and demand money. Well, um, I've read that Russia has been Home after... Vermont, yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. Russia mm -hmm. has been after Trump since the 90s. And maybe Jeffrey wasn't making money off of Trump, but maybe... Putin purchased something from him. And you know what? People argue and they say, oh, well, probably what they have on him is uh, tax evasion. He said himself he could murder somebody on Fifth Avenue and nobody would give a shit. Do you think they're going to care about tax evasion? <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, he said himself that he, he, he said, if you're smart, you don't pay taxes. Exactly. I mean, and they all just cheered. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you're right. But if there is an instance, I mean, and there is that woman who was on tape who said when she was 13 years old, she had sex with, or she was raped by Donald Trump. And so what if that's what they have on him? I mean, I, I could see where Trump would be completely frightened to do anything uh, with the understanding that Russian, Russia has this. It's not a PP tape that it could possibly be something much Way worse. Way worse. Yeah. Although, who knew, right? PP. I, I bought a shirt two, three years ago that has, it's a cartoon drawing of Trump's face with Gene Simmons makeup on and a pointy tongue. And instead of the letters kiss, like the band writes, it says piss. And ha ha ha, wasn't that funny? You know, and what, what, what could it be? Like, and you said it at the beginning of the, of the, the, um, the discussion, like how, and I can't remember your exact words, but like, it's almost like we keep topping, like, how low have we gone? Oh, right. there's still something below, right? There's we have not hit bottom. Plum here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think we're going, Em? Like, what, what's your take on, on all of this? I mean, as far, just, just as far as uh, politically, do you, do you, how do you feel about this upcoming election? Ooh. Uh, I think it's going to be a complete shit show. Um, <laughs> I think that goes without saying, but, um, I think that I'm not sure what people care about anymore, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, and I think that politically, um, the things that the right cares about and the things that the left care about, um, are so vastly different mm -hmm. that when you say, okay, I'm going to run a campaign to distinguish myself from Donald Trump. I mean, everyone is distinguished from Donald Trump. Like, just by existing, we're, <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> distinguished. Exactly. So, uh, 
So, I mean, um, you know, Just if you have drop empathy, like you've officially distinguished yourself from Donald Trump. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. So at that point, it becomes how do you appeal to enough people to get them excited to vote um, for, for a Democrat? And then also, how do you get the right, the left side of things to not get sucked in by this constant bullshit coming out of Donald Trump? Like to, to pay enough attention to know what he's doing, mm-hmm. but to not get distracted yeah. um, by the garbage. Like, I mean, I like to see the mooch get roasted <laughs> just as well as anyone, but like it doesn't really matter. Right, with Donald Trump and Sid Anthony's guarantee. Like, it doesn't. It's, yeah. it's, just for, it's, it's just a distraction. Now, I don't think that it's fair to say that we don't deserve that. <laughs> like, I would much prefer the president to spend his time thinking about Anthony Scaramucci than, like, for instance, China. Right. Right? Like, like mm, yeah. all the the mooch. I'm on board with that. But, right. Um, but I think um, I have, I, what I haven't seen yet is someone that the that the left is rallying around um by way of principle you know like for me that for me that's elizabeth warren and we've talked about that before and so then it becomes okay so is misogyny gonna win here because the most exciting candidate is a woman and so she's just not as exciting right like or or are we gonna Mm -hmm. get over that and i haven't I haven't decided my answer to that question yet. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm with you there because obviously there is that mindset that um, a woman can't beat Trump. I mean, I fight against it all the time and it it is patriarchal because if a man were on the stage saying all the things Elizabeth Warren was saying, I think that he might be considered more legitimate or viable or whatever and I mean she's she's clearly rising in the polls and she's doing a good job and we have a long way to go so we're not sure um how this is all going to play out but obviously Uh we've got an issue with patriarchy and misogyny in this country and there are you know there's somebody again that I can't name that I know and said they would not vote for Kamala Harris if she were the nominee. This person is a Democrat, but they wouldn't vote for her. And I was like, why? I mean, out of yeah. between Trump and her, that, why? That's, that, that's what can't beat Trump. That bullshit. Th- exactly. You know what I mean? It's not any, any person. Last night, and I was, um, I, I recently graduated from the Emerge program, which, uh, It's an organization that that trains Democratic women to run for office. And we had a recruitment event last night, and it was like the most uplifting thing I've been a part of in in a while. Anyway, our mayor, I live in Oakland, and and Mayor Libby Schaaf showed up, and she is, she's a tough, smart, accomplished woman who has done the work um, for women and, and on behalf of women and, and, and others as well. But anyway, she said, look, don't, don't question for a second that any of you in here are not qualified to run. She's like, look who our president is. Mm -hmm. All of us. I mean, if he's doing that job, every single one of us in this room can do that job. If, if those are the, if that's the bar, right? Right. So I don't, I think people who make excuses for can a woman or who, who start saying, 
crazy shit like, well, can a woman beat Trump? No, it's can can sane Democrats or sane voters who oppose racism, misogyny, white supremacy, uh, criminal behavior, tax evasion, emoluments, like, can we all just come together and beat him? That's the answer. Uh It doesn't matter. Anybody, all of the Democrats that are out there right now are qualified Uh for this job. It just so happens that the, the, the two women who are in the forefront are probably the most qualified. Mm-hmm. I mean, arguably, right? Yeah. Can can people get behind them? Can we get behind the most qualified person and just vote for that person? And we're uh-huh. going to beat him. That's all that it takes. I don't takes. know. I, that's all it takes. The, Sorry, uh, the, we know this. The wild we're, we're, card I'm is preaching Russia. to the choir, clearly. Yeah, but um, I mean, the wild card is Russia. It needs to be said. Yeah, the wild card is Russia. And, but, you know, you've got these independents who are like, I don't know, I don't like Elizabeth Warren's plan on health care. I'm afraid she's going to take all of my insurance away. And it's like, obviously, that's not going to happen. She's no. not going to become president and take away your insurance. Congress has to vote on that. But, um, <laughs> no, no, she's going to take away your guns, not your insurance. Oh, that's right. Well, actually, Yay! she's going to take away both. But... Um, I think that, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of hopeful. Um, I'm going to remain hopeful in I that, am. you know, that in, I've said this too before, Rebecca Traster, who covers women in politics, was talking I about, I know she's just yes. so amazing. She was on Chris Hayes several months ago, and she was talking about the fact that, you know, in the 2018 election, a whole bunch of feminist organizations, high-profile feminist organizations, were preparing for the women can't win narrative if, uh-huh. you know, we didn't make it, and obviously we did. So um, we did in 2017, we did in 2018, and I think that, I think it's going to be an uphill battle because we still have to fight this patriarchal mindset and the fact that this yeah. Je- this Jeffrey Epstein case is so wretched and horrible and vomit-inducing, really, um, it's it's mm-hmm. not helping us. But I don't know. Maybe no. on some level it is. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of just outright rage and anger that that it it puts away the idea that oh, I don't know if a woman can do it, but fuck it, I'm going to vote for her anyway. I mean, I, I hope that's the case. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm of, I, you know, what, can can we all just agree that we're voting for a flaming bag of feces if that's <laughs> yeah, what we really. put up? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, you know, any anything is better. We just all need to rally around that. And I think once this craziness, like these Democratic debates have just been, in my opinion, uh, kind of a shit show. You know, like oh, too many totally. people fighting, infighting, like they're need, everybody needs to have the same clear message. Like we've got to beat Trump. Yeah, I want to, you know, Kamala's going to highlight this. Uh, Biden's going to hi- highlight this. Andrew Yang, who I got to say has got my attention. Well, he just makes um, me laugh. You know, it, but, but he's bringing up some really, I mean, yeah, everybody's is. got something to say, right? Yeah. I, I don't want, I, I, I don't want him as my president, but. To my to my flaming bag of feces point earlier, I will vote for him oh, if he soon yeah. decide is the nominee. Of course. of course, yeah. But but I think um, I think that you know, come September, there are going to be fewer uh, candidates on mm-hmm. on the stage. We're going to start focusing. The message is going to be honed, and it's going to be we have to pull out all the stops to beat this guy in 2020. We need to take back the Senate as well. And with people like Stacey Abrams out there with Fair Fight 2020, yeah. like that's uh-huh. been that's been unveiled, and she's a force to be reckoned with. Stacey Abrams, 
You know, this is a woman who she like I would put all my eggs in that basket if for some reason she were to come forward. And I have to say, not to get too far off track, but just to just to put this out there to you guys. I was at an event in Oakland a couple weeks ago. It was a big, huge community event, a back-to-school event, and um, there were all sorts of community leaders out there with their booths. You know, we had people registering parents to vote while their kids were getting brand-new shoes and backpacks filled with school supplies. There were educators out there doing age-appropriate sort of breakout um, um Uh, groups with kids, you know, girls leadership for the teenage girls who were, you know, starting high school this week. Um, The NAACP was out there. And I talked to these two women who were at the NAACP table. They've been with the organization for years. They're both in their 60s. They're both from the South. And they said to me, I said, what are you thinking about um, the presidential nominee? Who do you like? And they said, oh, we like Biden, without question. We are black women in our 60s. We are moderates. We like Biden. And another reason why we like Biden is because Stacey Abrams is going to be his running mate. Hmm. Yeah. And this was their... Okay. And so suddenly Biden just got a hell of a lot more appealing to me. Um, What do you think? But anyway, it... Huh? Go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 you. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, what do you you. think think about that, Em, as far as Biden running uh, running with Stacey Abrams? Well, um, I think it's the best case scenario for Biden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Correct. Good answer. Um, so, I mean, I think I, I love Stacey Abrams. Yeah. I think it's certainly, um, I am wondering why she's not running for Senate. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's, I think there is a question in my mind, you know, what her, what path she sees, because what I don't doubt is that she sees a path yes. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is. I trust her mm-hmm. judgment that it is a good path and that that's why she's taking it. But I don't know what it is. Um, I'm all in on it though. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay, me take too. My money. Um, there you go. Well, I'm but, just, yeah, I... I mean, I I hope that I I certainly hope, for example, that if if Biden is the nominee, that he would choose someone like Stacey Abrams. I don't know if there is anyone like Stacey Abrams, right. like her, and then everyone else. But um you know, I, I would hope that he would pick her. Um, but I, I also, you know, I, I hope that that's, I guess what I mean is I hope that that's the path that she wants. I hope that she doesn't feel pigeonholed in, in, into it, you know, as sort of a buffer for him for some of the things that he's going to be working against in his path. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, I worry about that, but at the same time, I, I sense that if there's anyone who's capable of, making that decision and handling it appropriately, it's her, so. Yeah, I mean, she was on Rachel last night, and I was thinking about it, and, you know, my boyfriend, he, he, he's, he's for, you know, he, I think he prefers Warren out of all the candidates, he's certainly not going to be out there screaming Warren, he's just not, he's not an activist, he's, he's somebody Uh who likes to, he's a journalist, but, um, I think right now he's most impressed with Warren, uh, yet, he's very, like, for instance, in 2016, I was for Bernie, um, he was for the Democrat, and so that meant that he thought Hillary Clinton, with all of her money and everything backing her, was the best bet. It's not that he was mm-hmm. pro-Hillary Clinton. He actually went after her uh, when she was running against Barack Obama, and he was totally for Obama. 
And of course, he got called because because he was not necessarily for Hillary, but he believed that Hillary was the best person to beat Trump. Um, mm-hmm. He was called all the obvious names that the Bernie Bros, you know, the whore, the shill, the whatever. But mm-hmm. the, the funny thing was, is I mean, I was a Bernie person, and it took me a while to kind of figure out his game and that he's very pragmatic. So anyway, he brought it up last night. He's like, look, it could very well be that Biden is the nominee and Stacey Abrams is his running mate. And my first... I, I said to him, I was like, you know what? I don't even want to fucking go there right now because it's not that I hate Biden. It's just that he's not the most qualified person or the best person for the. I guess he's pretty qualified, but he is a gaff machine. I guess just the other day or last night or whatever, he, he mixed up uh, the kids that visited him after the shooting, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so I don't know what's going on with Biden. I don't know that he can mentally handle eight years of the presidency. It's he's not young and it's not ageism. It's just uh, can he do it? Some can, some can't. Some people get older and they start to decline rapidly. Other people are older and they just stay totally sharp until their 90s. So it's not even about that. It's just about the things that he said recently as far as a not getting it, not not reading the room and Uh also that he is making these gaps and it makes you question can he handle it? So somebody like her, when Bob said that to me last night, my like I said, my first reaction was like, well, Jesus Christ, can't we just get to the fucking, you know, can't we see who the nominee is going to be? Can't we, do we have to just automatically go to the, it's going to be Biden. Yeah. Um, but I will say, the idea, I- I- if, it, if he does choose her, if something happened to him, or even just at the end of four years... <laughs> You know, (laughs) but I mean, at the end of the four years, maybe he's like, I'm just done. Now Mm -hmm. Stacy takes over and then she runs. People have have said that, you know, what if Biden ran on the promise that he would only serve four years? Would people be more likely to get behind him? I mean, I, I think, um, I don't know. I'm very conflicted about this because I, I want more than anything for us to have a successful ticket. And I want to not say that I don't, I don't want to say that I believe that can't happen with either Kamala or one at right. the front of it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess, I guess my official position would be that I, that I'm withholding judgment and also <laughs> wary of the idea that, you know, Yes, sure. We, we If you say I'd be for a Biden-Abrams ticket, like, here's what you're really saying. You're saying, I'm okay with the less qualified person if he has hmm. a supremely qualified woman as his buffer. Yeah, and that's really what it is. And, and like, the reason that the three of us are even willing to say, like, well, I guess, yeah, that would be fine, is because we accept the reality that we live in. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to accept it. Yeah. Like the three of us are the type of people who are saying, like, no, let's stop accepting that. So I I think um that is the reality. I can't I can't live in a fantasy world where I don't understand yeah. that that's how a lot of people will see it. But it it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right, so I guess, right. I guess that's how I feel about it. Right. Yeah, that's that's the bottom I'm line. That's totally. the, and it's not even that it's like an anti Biden thing i mean they're they're i talk to the women in my grocery store all the time um there's I, i've talked about them on the show there's a younger one there's a one that's around my age 
and the one that's around my age is all in for Biden. And it's exactly what you were saying, Steph. It's just the idea of I feel safe with him. And it's totally understandable because, number one, he understands what it means to be president. He was there for eight years. He saw Barack Obama do it. He was part of all of that. He's also remembered for running down the corridors with his glasses and his smile. And, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> you know, all the all the reasons he lost uh, the 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 other uh, two bids for presidency don't really apply anymore because now he has this eight years of vice president that ha- with a normal president who is well yeah. liked. So he makes Extremely people well-liked. exactly, and right. he makes people, especially women of color, uh, black women, Hispanic women. He makes them feel like he's the safest bet for my life. I've mm-hmm. got to be worried because, you know, I have a target on my back and I want to go with the person who makes me feel the most safe. And right now, for a lot of people, they're a looking at the polls and going on that, which I'm not sure are so 100 percent accurate. Um, and then also just the fact that he's got this, um, you know, the, the, this past with with Obama. And, you know, but I just I want to point something out. We're going to have to end in a minute. But Daily Coast has been doing straw polls. And I get them delivered in my email box. And I got one yesterday out of 54,000 votes. Um, this is the second straw poll I've taken part in. And it's the second time the results are very similar. Obviously, it's going out to the same people. So you are going to get similar results. But Elizabeth Warren is always in the lead. Out of those 54,000 votes, she got 18,000. The next one is Bernie Sanders, who got uh, 12,000. Then Kamala Harris with 4,000. Joe Biden, or I'm sorry, he's actually a little ahead of her with 5,000 votes. So Joe Biden, and then, you know, and then you've got Pete Buttigieg. He's got not very many votes. Cory Booker's not very many. I think Pete Buttigieg's like 3,000. Unfortunately, Booker only has 564. Um, But Elizabeth Warren consistently polls when it, whether it's on just the little Twitter polls that I do or what I see other people do, she's always uh-huh. winning. And it makes me wonder, with all these official polls, who are they polling and how reliable are they? Uh, those polls had Hillary winning, and she didn't win. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we had Russian interference. Well, she did. well she, she did. She did win. The pop- she did win. She did win, but she didn't, she didn't win because Russia interfered. So I guess, yeah, you're right. But, I, but at what I'm seeing with the polls, though, consistently is that Elizabeth Warren is coming out on top, but all the major polls show Joe Biden is coming out on top. And so I'm not sure who they're polling and, you know, who, who their audience... I mean, is it, is it still the polling from landlines? Mm-hmm. And if it is, then are they... You know, I mean, what about all the young people? What about all the young people who are... All, I mean, there's a lot of people who just have cell phones and nothing else. So, yeah, I mean, I think most of those polls have... Well, at least if you... If you're reading them online, they'll usually have a methodology um, portion, section. I mean, I know that that's a common thing. A lot of people have said, well, these are landline polls. And then in reality, a lot of them actually aren't. They Some aren't. Of them are. Well, that's good um, to know. <laughs> um, but it, I think the reality is a lot of the, a lot of the polls are, are math. That they're, not real, they're not real polls, right? They're, they're potentially a poll of 1,000 people. That it, that it, that is using a modified exponent like mm-hmm. to apply to the population. So, you know, wh- whether or not it's, it's it's fair to say that they're representative. I mean, if you take a, if you take a poll of a thousand people from one place, 
and apply it as an exponent in a thousand people from another, like you're going to get vastly different results. So, I mean, without going into a rabbit hole of, of nerd city that I would totally do, <laughs> um, the, 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 the polling metrics are important. And I think that's probably why, as you're noting, different polls will, uh, will obviously skew one way or the other. I mean, there are, are polls that put Donald Trump's approval rating at like 60%. And like, there aren't even that many Republicans in the country. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. Right, you know, right. Um, so, I mean, I think the polls are, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about polls because I kind of feel like, especially this early, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't really give a fuck what other people think. So true. <laughs> so it is I'm early. I'm going to roll with the person I like and I don't, I'm not going to worry about, you know, that, that's the point of the primary, right? Right. Um, all righty. Well, I'm going to, we're going to wrap up now, but uh, just keep in mind that um, this is it for the free show, but if you're not already, already following M, her Twitter handle is it's M-Rise, so it's at E-M-R-A-Z-Z and Steph, why don't you tell everybody um, where to I find us? I got two handles now. Oh, where to find us? Yes, yes. I'll do that and, and then you. I'll throw my handle. Of course, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash start me up. And we love, one of the things that we look forward to when we finish these shows is hearing your comments, reading your comments on Patreon. That's, that's a lot of fun. We also love your support. So if you can, yes. uh, throw down a little and, and we'll keep this, this stuff coming. Raz, it has been a pleasure. I've wanted to do this for a long time. I'm really glad we were able to make it work out today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to the next time. And then, so no. what we're going to do right now, I believe, um, Steph, you're, are you, are you sticking around? I'm out. You? Okay. I'm out. So Em and I are going to go over to end another thing. And I've decided that because we're doing a special end another thing with just me and Em, I'm going to make it free today. So be sure to stick around and just visit patreon.com slash start me up. And that will be, you'll have the link to that other show. If you're listening to this free show. Okay. You guys, um, <laughs> Have have a good day, uh, Steph. Hang on, M, and we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>